Welcome to the Operate Intelligently podcast. This is Tony Butler, and I'm joined with my host, Bob Papadude Bittner. Bob, how are you today? Tony, it's uh, a beautiful day outside today, and um, we're so excited to have uh, some very special guests with us that I think our listeners will really, really enjoy and benefit from this conversation. Why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest for today? Absolutely. We're here with Wanda Legault. She is the Bureau Chief of Education, Training, and Technical Assistance at the Bureau. Uh, welcome, Wanda. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And, and Tony, what bureau is that? Wanda, maybe you can describe what bureau that is. Okay. Um, it's the Education, Training, and Technical Assistance Bureau of the North Carolina Department of Labor's Occupational Safety and Health Division. Cool. And uh, your upper boss is the, the person we see in all of our elevators every day that we get on, right? The name in there. Uh, yes. You ha- your department has, your organization has a lot of things that you cover and do, uh, and one of them being kind of the OSHA uh, involvement and the safety of workers in the workplace. Can you talk to us a little bit about that, what that entails, because I think that's where we really want to kind of focus in on today and give our listeners some idea ideas about um, what it is that you guys do and how you can help us and some things that we need to be aware of. Okay. Well, OSHA as most people probably know, it is um, Federal OSHA's Occupational Safety and Health Act, and it administers the OSHA standards um, for general industry and construction, and facilities management is basically more general industry-based. So the OSHA standards are meant to protect the health and safety of the workers in the workplace. And so our mission is to minimize injuries and illnesses and prevent fatalities. And that goes across the nation. And we are, North Carolina, as you know, is a state plan, but OSHA's mission is the same in all the states. So OSHA, from a a big standpoint, from a national organization, and then some states have their own division, some comply with the national. Is that how that works? Yeah, it's, um, well, because we have federal OSHA, and there's um, so many states that are under the OSHA umbrella. They're, that's their jurisdiction. And we have 22 states that are have state-specific um, plans, basically a state plan state, as we like to call it. And so North Carolina is just one of those states that runs their own um, state program. You know, we have listeners from all over the country. How mm-hmm. do they find out what kind of plan they're under and who they can go to for help? Okay. You can go to FedOSHA's website, and there is a section at the top of the of their website that will state you know click on about um, state plans or you know um, that will give you basically a map that shows you which ones are um, under federal OSHA's jurisdiction and those that are all the state plans and then you can just click on that like North Carolina you can click on it and it takes you right to our website and so if they know what state they're in they just go to that and boom it'll take them to whatever if it's a state plan or if it's um, FedOSHA, it's the FedOSHA website that they're going to get access to, and that's all they need to have. Great. So, you know, I think it's a, it's a challenge for facility managers in particular to kind of stay up to date mm-hmm. with everything that changes and, and uh, modifications that have been made. Your role is kind of the education piece of this. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you help organizations stay up to date and understand new regulations and how they apply, and et cetera. Okay. Well, 
I'm going to speak to a couple of different levels there because um, Federal OSHA, they have a newsletter, Quick Takes, and you can go online to the website and you can be part of their subscription. Um, and then that will just come to your inbox and that will keep up on all the stuff that's coming down from Fed OSHA. And in North Carolina, we have our own newsletter and it's called the Labor Ledger. And you can sign up for it online on our website as well. And we will be doing the same thing. And we also have a lot of like social media sites and so does Fed OSHA, like Twitter accounts and Facebook accounts and Instagram. And so there's just a lot of ways if you just sign up for, you know, access to those different social media platforms, you can get just, you know, instantaneous type of information continuously. So you can find out what's coming down from Fed OSHA as well as North Carolina OSHA. So we'll probably provide that in the show notes, uh, links to those uh, social media profiles, as well as I'm curious, how often do those uh, newsletters come out? Um, Ours, the labor lecture, comes out every um, two months. Great. So, you know, we often think of OSHA kind of as a cop organization. You know, Mm -hmm. you're going to come enforce something. You're going to come penalize me. You're going to come look for me doing something uh, wrong or unsafe. And today I just kind of wanted to kind of demystify that a little bit because mm-hmm. I see OSHA as a much bigger organization. They're not all about wanting to make money off of fines. Their real, their real intent is to really trying to help organizations keep their employees safe. Correct. Is that not correct? Yes, that is very correct. And, and tell us how you help organizations. How do you consult with them? How do people consult with you uh, to be able to get help? and not be afraid to call into your office for Okay. Help. Well, Fed OSHA, they have just basically consultative services that's available on the website. They have training and education um, that you can go to their different um, tabs at the top because they'll have a training tab and they'll have um, just different like safety and health tabs and just a whole bunch of different ones. And you just have to click through and find the ones that's like consultation. In North Carolina, like my bureau, what we're responsible for is education and training and technical assistance. So basically, we provide webinars um, that are free for the public, and they can sign up for that online on our website. And it's, you know, it's free. And we have people from all the states coming in and plugging into our webinars because you can do it at any point. And we also have pre-recorded webinars, which you can access at any time. You can do it at midnight if you want to on a Saturday night, if you so choose to listen to an OSHA broadcast, you know, but that's it. <laughs> you, you don't have to be from a, you don't have to be from North Carolina to access no, your no, information. No, not at all. Great. Not at all. And it's all available. And like our courses, you register online and we send out the reminders, state, hey, you know, don't forget, you're going to have this webinar. Uh, that you have signed up for. So we have webinars. We also provide training and outreach. We have a lot of PowerPoints that are available, downloadable from our website, free of charge. You just modify it to make it meet your needs. Um, We have example programs that you can download, um, nice templates that people can build their um, their programs off of. Um, Fed OSHA also has some example programs and on um, their site, under the training tab, there's Susan Harwood Grant PowerPoints. There's hundreds and hundreds of PowerPoints as well on all kinds of topics in English and Spanish and some other languages as well that you can download, again, free of charge. 
I just want to make a comment, not necessarily a question, but mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times when I'm talking to folks, OSHA is painted sort of with this negative brush, but honestly, just based on the mission and even what you're telling us now, it's really there to, to protect people. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, there's more than enough resources to help I know the people that I'm talking to every day, the people that, Bob, you're working with, um, to get what they need to protect mm-hmm. their staff and to protect the people who are out in the field. Right. Well, we also have consultative services, so I want to make sure I make that out, you know, because I didn't expand on that very much, but they will come on site to the workplace and uh, free as well, and it's separate from compliance, so it's kept confidential, and that they will help you with your program. And a lot of states, um, you know, they offer consultative services, North Carolina being one of those, and they can come out do, a lot of states, not all of them, can do free air sampling, ergonomic assessments, you know, you can do a focused site or you can do a comprehensive where if you don't want them to do, look at your whole site because you're very uncomfortable, you want to see how it goes, you could just do a focused request if you wanted to. Is there any particular time during the year or event that maybe would cost someone or to get them to take advantage of those consultative services, or should they just come out at any time? Think about oh, take advantage of it any time. Okay. I mean, some people do it after a compliance inspection, but um, but you'd have to wait until it closes out. So my advice would be to do it ahead of time, and if you need assistance with something, you know, request that assistance. It's there for your use. You're paying for it through your tax dollars. So why not take advantage of it? So my understanding is is that uh, during this uh, consultative services. Mm-hmm. That they don't find they're not there to find or assess no they're there to help and say if we if someone one were to come in mm-hmm. they might find you for this this is a problem and here's how we can help you correct that problem here's what you the steps you can put in place to get those corrected is that my, is that the correct understanding yes um, but I will state though if you call them in and they f- have a finding they find something that you need to correct then you have to correct it. But they are reasonable about how much time, you know, to make sure you get it corrected. But that is something they make it very clear up front so there's no surprises. It sounds like a great way to be proactive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. Are you looking for a way to get inspired about your work as a facility or operations professional? Join us at our annual maintenance and operations conference, Dude University in Raleigh, North Carolina, May 5th through 8th, 2019. You'll be able to attend educational sessions about your day-to-day work, meet professionals from across the country that work in your and other industries, and enjoy food, friends, and fun in the dude's hometown. If you register this year, you can take advantage of our all-inclusive dude deal. Learn more and register online at university2019.com. You know, we have a lot, uh, as the workforce is aging out, we're getting a lot of younger people coming in as mm-hmm. facility managers and so forth that haven't had the years of experience and the understanding uh, and know about lockout, tagout, and confined space entry and all the things, the many, many, many things uh, that they have to be aware of along with all the other things that they're doing in their job. Can you uh, kind of give us an idea where if a young facility manager was coming on, how do I just start? Where do, where do I start understanding what I should be concerned about? Because uh, I don't ever see anybody saying, I'm just going to ignore safety. You know, everybody <laughs> wants everybody wants mm-hmm. everybody to go home at night. Where, do, where does one start to uh, understand all of that? Well, what I would do personally, 
um, in North Carolina on our website, and we can provide you that link as well, Absolutely. is we have a place where it says which standards apply. And what we did is we broke it down by parts. So you got parts 1904, which is record keeping, part 1910, general industry, which would be the ones that mainly would apply to facilities management, but there's some other parts, but I'm not gonna go on to those. And what we've done is if you click on, okay, part 1910, general industry, we broke it down by subpart, and within each of those subparts are a bunch of standards. And what we've done is explained how that would apply to you or not apply by asking you questions. And so like say subpart D, walking and working services, and you click on that and it explains. This is what walking and working surfaces applies to. It applies to ladders and step bolts and manholes and fall protection and scaffolds, etc. And then we will have like a tab that you can click on and say, okay, does step bolts and manholes apply to me? You click on it and it explains, okay, do you have blah, 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 and we'll give a definition if we think somebody would be unclear about it. And if you say yes, then states, then you need to comply with the standard and it links you to it. And we did that for all the subparts within general industry. And so it's a great tool to identify exactly which ones you need to comply with. And then we have in there A to Z topics where you would click on that specific topic and it would tell you exactly any compliance documents you would need to know about, any resource information that we have available, example programs, PowerPoints, we have some great industry guides that will tell you exactly the special requirements of a lot of standards, telling you if you need a written program, if you need training, inspections, tests, competent person, qualified person, etc. And those are available free of charge. You can just access them. You know, that technology has allowed us to do some really neat things. Mm -hmm. uh, to take the old standard book that was an inch and a half or two inches thick and you get it laid on your desk as a new facility manager and you're saying, oh my gosh, how am I supposed to understand what I'm going to do with this mm -hmm. and read through code language? It sounds like you've taken it and simplified it and, and boiled it down to what they needed to know and then go down to really what the code says. Exactly. That's exactly. great. And that's what we're trying to do. The Commissioner of Labor is all about that education, training, and helping that employer. So you mentioned some things about trips and falls and slips and so forth. And when I was in the, in the industry as a facility manager, that used to be one of the top things. Mm -hmm. Is that still one of the top issues from a safety standpoint in the workplace? Oh, it's a big one. It really is. Another one that is actually, because the slips, trips, and falls is, believe it or not, is amputations. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, amputations is really an awful lot. Um, we didn't realize it, and the new uh, record-keeping standard came about with about reporting amputations. And that's when they have to report it to us, and that's when we realize that there's an awful lot of amputations out there, too. So it's slips, trips, and falls. Amputations is another big one. If you work around equipment, and if your people work around equipment, which I'm assuming that they do, you're going to have that as well. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't think about, you know, how severe an accident mm -hmm. could be, and they even think that an accident wouldn't happen to them. But, of course, it's an accident. and I mean, I, obviously, this is important, mm -hmm. but to think that that's one of the you know, amputation as a result of that is just, mm -hmm. uh, it could be devastating to some folks. Yes, yes it can be. Wanda, we, we often talk about just the, the maintenance worker, but this also, they have an impact on every person that's in that building or in that facility, whether they're an employee there or a guest in that facility, to be responsible for safety of people that are in there. Uh, so, you know, as people move about 
in buildings and so forth, workers need to be responsible about the safety of others, not only just of themselves, but be aware about the safety of people. Talk to us a little bit about who does this standard cover? Is it is it just heavy manufacturing, just maintenance people? Does it apply to office workers? Does it apply to companies that just have, uh, like us, that are just software developers? Who does this standard apply to across the board in general? Oh, well, the standards apply to everybody. If you're covered under the OSH Act, and most people are, um, there's some minor exemptions in there, but for the most part, um, you know, it's it applies to everybody because as long as you have an employee, you're covered under the standards. So it doesn't matter. And if you're in office, then you know some parts of the record keeping standard may not apply. But for the most part, Part 1910 applies to everybody. When it comes to facilities management, it's everybody. And so, you know, it's in. It's important for the employer to follow the regs as much as they can because it can also help with your workers' compensation costs, which is can be really huge. Because if you think about, you know, accidents uh, that causes your workers' comp to go up, but if you're following the standards, that can also help control those accidents. So it's kind of a positive way of looking at it. So even in a sales organization, it's probably important to let people know that they shouldn't be standing up in a chair that's on rollers, right? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Got a good story that. about that one because um, there was a site I went to and it was an office setting. Um, and I remember the person fell on the floor. They were trying to sit down. And so when I went to check into this, do an incident investigation, it turns out that the chair had rolled away because the floor was so slanted and warped that when she went to sit down, it just rolled you know, <laughs> away and she landed on the floor. So, And so it was just a matter of having to change out that floor leveling and came up with some interesting ways of doing that. But it was just, how did somebody fall out of a chair? You know? <laughs> You know, what we have talked about today, some great information, you know, I want our listeners to understand that uh, OSHA is not uh, to be feared, that they can provide lots and lots of uh, services, some help. Mm -hmm. They shouldn't be afraid to go look at it. If I click on a webinar on trips uh, and falls, I shouldn't be worried that somebody's going to come knocking on my door tomorrow uh, trying to figure out why I was looking at that. But can you tell us any, uh, the standpoint of keeping up with things, are there any new regulations out there that our listeners ought to be aware of that uh, uh, have come, come about in the last year or two or three mm-hmm. that uh, people ought to be aware of? Well, I mentioned earlier their injury tracking and application, and that's doing the online reporting. And I probably didn't make that very clear earlier, but in North Carolina, um, we automatically adopt anything that comes down for the record-keeping standards. So um, January 1 of 2017, um, that went into play. And so that just means that certain employers have to report um, electronically um, their OSHA logs online. And then we had the Walking and Working Services, which is subpart D of general industry standards that also was fairly new that went into effect last year. And then we also had restable crystalline silica and beryllium. So there was quite a few new rules that came out what, just recently. What was that last one? Can you explain Beryllium? That? Yes. It's um, to do with electroplating. Oh, okay. And so unless you're, if some of them do electroplating, basically it's used in aerospace, telecommunications, information technology, defense medical. And so 
um, if they have potential exposures to that compound, then uh -huh. they would have to comply with the beryllium standard. Not an issue for us here, but no. <laughs> yeah. I might. Well, I won't go there. I won't go there. <laughs> but it's uh, been great having you here today, and uh, we hope just kind of as an introduction to our listeners that we all know that people never intend to go into work in the morning and get hurt, right? No, they don't. And most managers don't intend to put their employees in harm's way in some way. But people like to get in a hurry. But I think we can never, never be in a situation where something is so important that they have to violate a safety regulation or not make the area safe for people that either themselves or people around them. Uh, so we really appreciate you being here today and kind of demystifying this a little bit and allowing our listeners to understand not to be afraid of the OSHA organization, whether it be a state-led and driven one or the federal organization, but there, there's a lot of great resources there that will help new and existing facility managers to really understand and dig in and Thank I really like the, uh, the, the suggestions early on. We're going to do a bunch of Subscribe posts and our blogs follow up of places that people can go and get and information. But I think the newsletter and those kind of things that can come out that they can kind of stay up to date is a great resource. So thank you so much for uh, for being with us today. Well, and, thank you for having me. And uh, representing your organization so well. And uh, we really appreciate uh, appreciate it. And uh, we hope our, our listeners appreciate it as well. Absolutely. Until next time.